0: sometimes you just happen to be in the right place and eavesdropping at the right time and you end up meeting an awesome human being. While in a coffee shop in Stonington, Maine in the summer of 2021, I was standing behind Walker and heard another gentleman ask him how his tours had been going. When their conversation ended, I of course inquired about the tours because, well, who doesn't really love a good tour? As it turns out, Walker had recently purchased an old lobster boat and was running tours around the area of Stonington. I, of course, loved being out on the water, so the next day we drove back and met him for a couple hours or so boat ride. We learned about his childhood growing up in the area, some of the history of the local islands, saw a couple of dolphins, and just generally had an amazing time with him. In the fall, Walker headed back to the West Coast, and ultimately to Hawaii for the winter, and is slowly making his way back east for another summer season. He is a poet, a tour guide, a tea expert, a musician, and if you were to judge someone by their Instagram, he's also the one person you would choose to take an adventure with. I'm very excited to catch up with Walker on this week's episode. I have no clue at all where this one may go, so hang on and enjoy. Make sure to give him a follow on Instagram at dub underscore c d-u-b-b underscore s-e-a enjoy the episode hey walker welcome to the podcast
1: hey thanks so much man what an amazing uh introduction I feel so honored
0: yeah well I'm (laughs) honored to have you uh, make some time for me so uh, as we typically do start out can you just sort of tell us where you are and and paint a picture for us to set the scene for the rest of the podcast
1: yeah absolutely I'm actually standing outside in northern California in Humboldt County and I'm in a grove of huge gorgeous redwood trees that are hundreds of years old a little protected grove and um, sun's out and people are walking around and Life seems good. Life's good, yeah.
0: That's amazing. What's the what's the smell like of the trees? Is it like super? Yeah, it's
1: funny. Yeah, it's funny to say that. I literally have some some redwood needles in my hand right now that I've been kind of smelling and squishing. Um, it kind of has like a. You ever smell pine needles or like fir? You know, like Christmas tree style like fir. Yeah,
0: things? for sure.
1: Uh, it kind of has that same kind of like deep, almost like a sweet, like a sweet woody scent, almost like citrusy. Oh man. Um, and then, uh, the, the, the needles will decompose on the, on the ground and the earth. And after a rain, it just has like this, just like a deep, earthy complexity. There's something about it. I'm not exactly sure, but, uh, it, it almost smells
0: like tea, really.
1: Oh, <laughs> man, we yeah. Well, <laughs> we, can that, we can talk about it later. But, yeah, uh, we
0: sure will. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I somehow o- over the course of the last, I don't know, eight months since we met you, I guess, I had failed to see the the outtake video of you announcing the tea company. So, <laughs> we, yes, we we sure will talk about about tea at some point. Um, so, you know what I've what I really loved hearing uh, from you, and you were very open, you know, with meeting two strangers and a golden retriever inviting us onto your boat. But what I really enjoyed during that time was sort of hearing your um, talking about growing up in Maine and kind of your experiences, certainly and most specifically, like in that Stonington area. So, can, can your can you just sort of start there and and maybe just, I mean, not word for word, obviously, but just to describe your yeah. childhood growing up there and and I kind of feel like that was really where the sense of adventure sort of came from so I, I think that's a great place to start today
1: yeah i think so there's um I, I realized i didn't realize how magic and beautiful a place i was from until i left you know and um that little island deer isle Dunnington, in maine has a really beautiful balance of the uh, local fishermen that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years and then in the 70s 60s and 70s a lot of artists kind of left the cities and moved up there trying to find a secluded place away from people and so there's this beautiful mix of like traditional fishermen and then these eccentric artists that moved there you know and so it's kind of created um, a nice little eclectic eclectic mix of people um it's a small island there's there's 2,500 people year-round that live there and in the summertime there's um people's summer homes so i think the population might get up to like 15,000 even or something but yeah, it was unique growing up there. I, I feel like I had one foot in each world. My mom's family's from there. My great grandmother lived in Deer Isle, but my my dad's from California. My dad moved there in the '70s, and um, yeah, I feel like I had had one foot in each world, and uh, it was beautiful. Everyone just kind of is a hodgepodge mix of of they all. Everyone hangs out with each other. You know, there's no real you know was on enough people to have your separate group so there's like, <laughs> <laughs> like a yeah. big soup spot mix of everyone but when i was growing up i was like i didn't realize how magical it was i was like I, it's great and all but like i gotta get out of here i gotta go to the city or i gotta find some adventure so there was like this push to like go across the country to went to santa barbara when i was when i was 18 i didn't know a single soul i had family in northern california but i didn't know anybody in santa barbara and i just showed up there and i was so excited and i once I got there I realized like wow I am from an absolute magical special part of the country let alone the world and uh yeah it's taken me a long time to um kind of figure out how to move back so you caught me at a a time 18 years later after being in California and living in Hawaii for several years and I was like how do I move back home and and make it viable you know and make it um good and fun and and kind of connect to my roots and family again and all my friends that I grew up with. And mm-hmm. yeah, I decided to get my, get my captain's license and studied for that during, once COVID really hit, I was like, wow, what do I really want to do? And, uh, you know, being home in Maine was really a huge factor, part of it. And so I got my captain's license and I bought my, I bought my brother's old lobster boat and decided to do a little tours. You know, and it, uh, it's, never, it, it's never felt so good it was so clear when uh, I had that realization, like I need to be back on the island. I need to be home. Mm. How do I make that happen? You know?
0: Yeah. What are some of your favorite memories from being a, being a child up there? Cause I know you said, you know, you guys pretty much, you know, may, maybe a little bit to your detriment, but sort of had free run of, you know, <laughs> yeah. of the area. Yeah. So what are, you know, when you sort of think back to, being a child what are you know maybe one or two of the things that your mind sort of falls to definitely um
1: definitely taking little boats out to little islands nearby um when we were when, when we got a little bit older you know when we were like 13 14 15 and before we had cars to drive around everyone had little skiffs they had little you know 14 foot <laughs> skiffs with little outboards on them and we would just throw our camping gear and someone would steal a couple beers from, you know, someone's dad. <laughs> and there'd be like six of us splitting two beers. And we'd like, we'd motor out this little nearby island that I'm sure we um motored by when you guys were on the boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just set up camp and our parents liked it because uh, they could see our fire and they, 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 they knew we were close. They knew we were capable. If something happened, we could start the boat and get back to town super quickly. And, and at a young age, I realized that like, felt empowering you know and there wasn't cell phones so we weren't like had that tether and hook um that a lot of modern children are unwittingly tethered to their parents through cell phones Mm so we had this empowerment of like this is our island this is our little zone you know and um it felt good it felt good to be be allowed that that freedom too at at such a young age and that, that that was some of the best best childhood someone could have you know being in nature having freedom being you know fairly safe (laughs) and (laughs) and, uh i think that's one of the big pushes of coming back and wanting to do boat tours and charters around the islands because it's such a has such a deep place in my heart you know
0: yeah i can see why i mean we've only been there two you know we were there just two summers um 2019 and oh no 2020 and 2021 i guess um but like the first time, especially Deer Isle, when when we drove, when we we weren't even technically on to the island, just just crossing the bridge, it, it, it's just instantly, it's just such a magical place. So I, I can yeah, really, it really see how it, see why and how it sort of grabbed a hold of you because. Um, I mean, I still like, it's one of those, it's one of those places. There's, you know, a handful of places that I've traveled in my life and not that I've, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a world traveler by any means, but, um, you know, and that's one of those places that's right here and it's just, yeah. it's, I, I, it's, I can't get it out of my mind really, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty special. It's, it's, and what keeps it special is that it's still, it's still a working town where, yeah, there's a lot of little coastal towns up and down Maine that are super cute and quaint. They're right out of some Martha Stewart magazine or something, but there's not too many like real fishing towns that are still in working order. Right. And so that's what also keeps that authenticity about it, which is um, alluring. You know, it's really beautiful to, to see that where it's kind of like a dying breed, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good point you make. Cause it, it definitely, and, and, you know, that might be one of the reasons why I appreciate it so much because it is just real, you know, it's right. not a, there's people that pass through there, but it's not like a pass through like town, it, like, like a lot right. of that's, coast that's, coastal Maine is.
1: Exactly. at the end of the road. <laughs> right. You yeah, know, literally. You gotta know where you're going to end up there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or, or Or don't, but once you get there, you're going to have a lobster sandwich, a good cup of coffee and Probably not like, leave.
1: So, there's a main the main thing they say you can't get there from
0: here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how how are things, how are plans shaping up for the, the charter season uh, this year?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good. So, um, I came out to California and I'm still kind of slowly uh, wrapping up my life in California after being out here 18 years and slowly kind of moving stuff back to Maine um, last winter. I shipped a huge pallet of stuff, you know, books and cast irons and things I've been collecting for 18 years. And, um, so I'm slowly kind of moving all my stuff back there. And so last year I got back there in the middle of June, a little too late because the summer's there. Are, summer's there are only a couple of months anyway. And they say Maine has, um, you know, 11 months of winter and then one month <laughs> of bad, bad skiing, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I, I I took note of that and I'm like, next year, this year, I'm like, I'm going to get there way earlier, not in June. I'm going to get there in April. So that's how it's stacking up so far. I'm kind of gearing up my last, some of my last stuff here in Northern California. and I'm going to start the drive back across country. I'm going to stop and see my grandmother in Arizona. Oh, and then
0: wow.
1: yeah, I'm going to keep, keep driving to keep driving to Maine. I should be, should be there by the end of April. And uh, I, I'm not sure if I actually told you though, but that boat that, you guys came on. I actually sold that boat.
0: Well, that's where I was going to wonder. That's where I was going with this. Yeah, so right, right. Where, where did that boat go?
1: I sold I'm not sure. She's in better hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone did, uh, somebody that really kind of wanted to, because um, there was a couple of problems with that, that engine. I'm yeah. sure I told yeah, you guys yeah, like yeah. Any moment the engine could overeat and blow up. Um, so I sold it to a guy that uh, didn't want the inboard engine. He wanted to take the whole thing out and put a big outboard off the back. Is a little more reliable and yeah. that also free up, free up space um and on the deck there so okay so i sold it to him he took it he's in southern maine and he's doing something with it turning into some um tuna fishing boat or something but i bought my brother's 1979 repco lobster boat uh 30 feet and my brother just uh he's been lobster fishing out of it for about four years and he just took it out of the water and left it as is, you know, just from <laughs> bait juice, my fish guts all over it. <laughs> so now like, froze, you know, frozen into the bed into the fiberglass. So when you talk about well, asking me what my plans are, as soon as I get there in April, I'm going to put a little elbow grease into cleaning, right. up, cleaning my, my lobster boat into turning it into like a nice nice cruiser, you know. Oh, man. Well, Although that's, that's they exciting. Maybe I'll keep some fish, you know, some a bucket of fish on the boat just to give the tourists like an authentic experience. Of, yeah. Like, well, rotten lobster bait sounds like
0: yeah just make sure they don't just keep them out of sitting in it and i think you should be in good shape
1: yeah totally
0: well, well that's that's very exciting so what kind will, will that allow you to have more people or, or go farther um, what's te- that
1: pl- technically i i can fit more people on that boat legally i can only have so many my captain's license okay. only allows um, so many paying customers but um yeah, it is a bigger boat, and there's more space, and uh, what I can do with that boat, which I think I'm going to um, plan on doing this summer, is I can actually put a picnic table on the back, which we have put a picnic table on the back of my brother's boat Oh, before. wow. So if that's the case, then I think I could do little like floating lobster dinners, and I can have a propane oh, cooker and a burner, and then go out, drop the anchor, and have people sitting on a picnic table, and just kind of have like a... Easy kind of like rough lobster dinner. Where you cook them right there, slap them on the table. It's all messy. You wash it down. Maybe cook some corn. Have a cooler full of beers or wine or something. So,
0: oh, that sounds incredible! Wow, what a great yeah. idea!
1: Yeah. So that's kind of the that's kind of the plan. We'll see how it how it pans out.
0: Oh, that's great! Now, are you just? I mean, just for people, and then I'll I'll also be able to put a, whatever information I can um, along with the podcast. But all right, what what is really the best way for? People that might be traveling through Maine to reach out to you to try to you know make reservations and stuff like that.
1: That is a great okay. question. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I'm slowly working on that. I'm kind of changing the changing the name of it. Um, okay. To, uh, to I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on this yet, but uh, good tide, good tide tours. Oh, I like that. That's a, yeah, it's a phrase that a lot of people will use. The fishermen will use there because the tides are I think 15 or 16 feet. Yep. Uh, difference, you know, and so there's some things you can and can't do at on certain tides, and so fishermen will be like, oh, there's bad tides today, but next week um, there's good tides from 3 to 6, and I'm going to do this or that around that good tide time, and, and so it's just a neat phrase that people use, good tides, you know. So I just set up an Instagram for good tide tours, there's no posts, there's nothing on it yet, but it's already, it's already go. I was kind of waiting on getting the new boat clean, taking nice photos of it, and then, kind of marketing the the, the new fresh boat. Um, so, well I mean, if you want to tell your listeners how to get a hold of me, I and mean, you drive down to Stonington and start asking for Walker, and I'm, I'm I'd be in reach reachable distance, I'm
0: sure. Yeah, you can't <laughs> miss him. What what what's the name of the coffee roaster that's there?
1: That's my friend's uh, coffee shop called uh, Forty Four North. Forty
0: Four North, right? Yeah. So, yep. so t- t- if you get there early, you can find Walker pretty much in line looking for a free coffee at Forty Four North. <laughs> yeah. um, That's where I met
1: you. Right? Yeah, right exactly.
0: You. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it, it, I will say, it's a great cup of coffee. So, shout out to Forty Four North. Give them a little publicity yep. here, but um, Megan, Megan,
1: Megan, and Melissa. They're, yeah, they're amazing. They're- only, yeah, they, only drip coffee. It's nice. They make it easy to make it good and simple. Just drip coffee. Well, I, I
0: I got a pour over at, at that at the one right down in town.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah pour over. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then they they roast it up on the north end of the island. So if you're driving through there at the right time, you get some. You 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 just this wonderful smell of oh. roasting coffee just smacks yeah. you in the face. It's really really yeah. great. Um. So you, you so good. So the Instagram is Good Tide. What? good tide tours good tide tours okay so i'll make sure yep. even though there's no post i think you should sort of do you like you could be my you could be my first follower. yeah Tyler. actually i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do that right now um sorry sorry listeners you're you're stuck with this one um so let's see oh yeah good Tide. you have a oh it's a nice photo uh yep there you go number there's one
1: a, i did i did there's a photo of it yeah it's a,
0: it's a white boat right. that's a beautiful boat
1: Nice. All right. I'm, I didn't even know. Good job, Pass. Yeah, Pat Walker.
0: Great job. Well, I'm. Uh, I'm the. I'm number one, folks. So nice. You can't have that.
1: Claim to fame.
0: Yeah. So look, I. I always have a sort of. Um, I guess kind of jealousy for people that follow their heart and their desire to to go somewhere. So you, when you turned eighteen, headed out to California. What, yeah. And that seems to be kind of like the jumping off point for a lot of different adventures.
1: Um, it, sure, it sure is. Um, well, partly I came out here. My dad's from California, so he would bring me and my brother out to California to visit my uncle in Northern California ever since I can remember, ever since I was a little kid. And so I I, I knew at a young age that something else Existed you know, besides Maine, and uh, and, I, and I and I couldn't wait to get out there. So I think I graduated high school in the beginning of June, and then literally like two weeks later, <laughs> I was in Santa Barbara. I was in California, um, and uh, yeah, I couldn't wait to start just galvanizing around, around the world. I wanted to see people. I wanted to have adventures. Um, and yeah, I was in Southern California for a while. Then I transferred up to Humboldt State and in Southern california and graduated in 2007 and as soon as i graduated i did a i did a study abroad program in uh um, well right before i graduated i did a study abroad program in mexico for a while and that kind of got me excited about cultures and, and people and then i ended up doing another study abroad program in morocco for a month i lived with the host family there had two host brothers host sister the grandma host dad and the mom and nobody spoke english and uh yeah it was like a month-long game of charades i tell people it was, it, was, it was amazing it was beautiful we all cried when i left i still had never never understood what they were saying but we we had, we had a bond and um actually doing doing that made me um uh, make make my major uh international cultural studies and yeah. uh and even even from that people are like wow cool 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 so uh uh, what can you do with that? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Every time my, my answer is like, I don't know what I can do with that. I just wanted a degree. You know, my mom nor my dad graduated from college, and my brother didn't go to college. So I was the first one in my family that, wow. that got a bachelor's degree. So I really didn't I really didn't care what it was in. I just wanted to get a degree just to say, ha, there you go. <laughs> you
0: so, know. what um, kind of, uh, other than the degree, what was the effect that your time in Mexico and Morocco? had on kind of the early years of your adulthood.
1: Yeah. I think was this culture and people like I was just fascinated with the the different ways people lived or the different ways people have viewed life or viewed time. It, it's just, it's just fascinating. And, um, it made me want to, it made me want to keep going. and keep traveling. So after college, I, um, I went back to Maine for a half a summer and I jumped, jumped on some lobster and made a little bit of money and then went out to Hawaii this before I lived there for a while. I just went out for several months to see my cousin who was doing some, some woodworking out there. Yeah. And um, from there, I bought a one-way ticket to Ecuador. This oh, wow. Like 2008 <laughs> or something. And then people were like, what are you going to do down there? And I was like, I have no clue. I'm going to see where the wind
0: takes me. I'm going to use my degree.
1: Yeah, I my mean, degree exactly, and uh, I was I was went I kind of cruised through South America, Ecuador and um, Bolivia and Peru for about four and a half months by myself, um, and just meeting people and traveling with people and having adventures and ended up at this uh, in Bolivia ended up at this uh, animal refuge um, called Intiwarra Yasi, also called Parque Parque Machia, and I volunteered for a month working with these spider monkeys. And it was one of the most amazing, rewarding things I've ever done in my entire life. And for I, I thought you had to have some like masters in zoology to ever, you know, be close to a monkey, you know. And so this this place was like, Yeah, give us a month of your time and you can clean up all the monkey shit you want, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh and uh yeah, there was about there was a bit, these this park got different animals from different kind of illegal circuses or Mm. um, someone in an apartment would buy a monkey in the black market. And then they'd be like, oh crap, I don't want a monkey in my apartment. And so this park was (laughs) set up to just like rehabilitate the animals back into the jungle. If they could, some of these animals have never met other monkeys or or whatnot. So it it was also just trying to give them a a better life than what they had. And if they could go back into the jungle, great. If not, they would just give them a good life. And they had tourist uh, travelers come through Mm. and give them the time and love and effort. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was an amazing experience. There's, pu- there's Pumas on, on the premise. There was a big jungle bear named Baloo. There was, um, Ocelots. There's all these like night lemur type things. There's, um, yeah, it
0: was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing experience. So the Pumas and whatnot, they were just wild from the jungle?
1: Um, no, every animal had got there from basically a, a black market or an illegal circus. Um, wow. That, if the the organization was trying to um, just give them not be abused and, and give them a better life, man, it's crazy. You what
0: know, they're just... like, oh,
1: yeah, hunt, or hunters, you know, poaching hunters. The the bear got there because the um, someone found the the, the the little baby bear by himself, and the two parents had been shot. And oh, like maybe only like their teeth taken or something. You know, maybe something stupid like that. Just like, and so they took this little baby bear to the to the, the refuge and. You kind of got raised, raised there.
0: Wow! Oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, I can't. I just I don't even have words for things like that. Um, it was pretty,
1: it was pretty, pretty amazing experience. Though connecting, connecting with uh, these animals, you know, like at uh, first, first week or so, they were like, "Who the heck are you?" Like I don't know about it. But the, the volunteers that were there were kind of acclimating me into how to feed them and how to approach them. Mm. And they couldn't look at you like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But then after a couple of weeks of like bringing them bananas, they start to recognize your, <laughs> your face and they run up to me. And they're the spider monkeys are they're, they're large monkeys, you know. They're, they're not just like those little tiny, tiny monkeys. They're they're like a good three feet tall with oh, super wow. strong tails, and they'll run at you full speed and they'll jump from like ten, twelve feet away, and they'll just land on you and they'll climb up on your shoulders and they'll hold onto your hair and just like <laughs> wrap their tail around your neck and then like. And then, then you got to prime off, unless they want to sit on you for the rest of the day.
0: Oh man, I had no idea. Yeah, it was
1: beautiful. It was, it was great. And you get to feed them and play with them. And there's little babies, and there's old ones, and there's all this drama between the monkeys. You know, like who is jockeying for the matriarch. You know, like it was a, it was a great experience.
0: Man, yeah. That's, so, so from, so from that, where did you go next? That
1: was kind of the end of it. Ended up, uh, ended up getting kind of sick. I was trying to get to Argentina. I was going to live there. Was, okay dance and 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 learn Spanish and um yeah I was going to get an apartment in Buenos Aires and I never made it I <laughs> made it to Argentina I got kind of sick I think probably from work with luck <laughs> here. yeah <could laughs> it was be. well worth it though it was well worth it yeah and so uh I ended up flying home and kind of like you know taking some parasite clams or something you know just to just to heal up
0: mm. so where along the way did the tea come in
1: That is a good question. I felt like it it, uh it grabbed a hold of me. It 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 took over me. That was in that was in I think 2010. Okay. Uh, I was living in. I just got I got back from from I got back from traveling in South America and. Then I was I was working on a hundred twenty foot schooner in Maine, um, doing little. I was just a deckhand cruising around there, helping pull the sails. Um, this old schooner built in nineteen twenties that would take people around uh, the islands of Maine. But um, from that, I went back up to California. I was already out of college, just traveled around, and ended up in Santa Cruz. And oh, from that sailboat, you know, I did I hitchhiked on a, another sailboat from Maine down to Bermuda. Oh wow! And then. And then uh, there's another schooner, there's like a 60-foot schooner. And then from there, we were supposed to stay a day and keep going. This is all coming back to you. <laughs> from there, we were supposed to stay a day and uh, keep sailing down to the Bahamas. And when we got there, the, the captain found out that his uh, elderly father in, in England had died, and he had to fly back to England um, to do a funeral uh, preparation. And so he told me and my friend, he said, well, you guys do a fly out of Bermuda back to Maine and uh sorry we're not gonna make it to the Bahamas and I was like what that was my whole like oh the Virgin Islands that's where we were going and I was like that was my whole plan I was gonna go to the Virgin Islands and just see how what, what life would offer me there and so I yelled to this boat that was anchored next to us literally this random catamaran and we, I was in this beautiful wooden schooner uh, named Heron the Heron and uh there's this Plasticky 60 foot catamaran anchored next to us, and I yelled over to him. I was like, "Hey!" And the, this guy came came up from under the deck, and he's like, oh uh, hey!" And I was like, "Um, my name's Walker. Uh, where where are you guys going?" <laughs> and, and he was like, "Um, I, I'm going to St. John tomorrow, me and my girlfriend." And I was like, "Can I come along?" And he's like, he like whispered something to her, and she's like, kind of shrugged her shoulders, and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> sure." And my captain, I was with. I was like, what? Like you, you know these people? I'm like, no, I just talked to them for two minutes. I think they're safe. <laughs> and so he's, my captain's like, okay. I'm, and I was like, I'm not going back to Maine. It was like December. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm going to the tropics. Yeah. And uh, just like that, the captain had brought me over to this other boat. And I climbed up onto it. And I sailed. And the name of the boat was The Ultimate Bitch. <laughs> Big golden letters across the transom. The Ultimate Bitch. I didn't say anything. I was like, okay, I just left this boat called the Wooden. Boat called the heron i was like all right and sailed with them for another week um you know doing doing four-hour shifts Mm -hmm. throughout the night sailing through squalls and stuff down to st st thomas and when i got off the boat like when i got off the boat i had like they dropped me off and they were going to some other island and i was like "Uh, i gotta ask you like why did you name your boat the ultimate i have to ask you like why is your boat named the ultimate bitch and this guy looked at me as he's like pushing off the dock and he's like uh my ex-wife always wanted the boat named after her. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh God, You're good good luck to you, buddy. <laughs>
0: anyway,
1: anyway, I uh, something pulled, it's like I'm walking up into the little town of, of um, Saint John near Saint Thomas, and I was like, I'm gonna live here. And then something's like, nope, you, you don't. something's like, nope, you don't need to be here. Like, go to California. Huh? And I and I don't know what what it was. And I just went to a little internet cafe had at the time you know and uh bought a ticket for the next day to california and stayed up all night met a bunch of fun people at a bar and then got on the ferry to st thomas went to california and ended up in santa cruz soon after that and i was walking around with my friend in santa cruz and i looked and there's this like little alleyway and there's some shops and there's another shop and there's not there's just like dusty old chairs in the shop next to these other like Actual shops with signs and selling stuff. And I was like, why is this like an open door to this like dust room with dusty chairs, kind of down like this weird little cute alleyway? And I walked into the dusty chairs and there's this curtain in the back and I opened up the curtain. And in the back was this beautiful, huge, open tea house.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: there's all these low tables and people sitting around laughing and talking and drinking tea. And it's like this like dark wood motif everywhere and they had these records playing and People were laughing, and like it was just like this shangri-la. And it was like kind of like this hidden space that anyone would have just walked by, you know, if they just looked inside the dusty chairs stacked on top. And I walked up, and I was like, what, uh, what, what's going on? What is this place? And the guy's like, well, it's a tea house, but it's kind of a illegal tea house because they don't have the right permitting. And so it's like a membership. You pay to be a member. You come in for the day. You pay for the month, and you can come in and drink all the tea you want. And I was like, wow, Like, where do I sign up? And he's like, right here. And so he goes. <laughs> he goes. Have you ever had pu'er before? And I was like, never heard of it. I would like, drank you know green tea out of a bag or something. And um, he's like, well, try this. Try this tea. And did you like? How you feel? So I took one sip and I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. It's like this dark, earthy flavor. And um, I took another sip and I was like, wow, there's some there's some real complexities here. There's like stuff. There's like real real stuff going on It's really dark tea, same tea plant as, as green tea and black tea just fermented and aged and, uh, and I took a third steeping of it and something just said like you are going to drink this for the rest of your life. It like took over me. It was like was, there's was no fight in it. It was just like where do I sign up? Like where do I get the teapot? Where do I get the tray? Like where do I wh- where do I buy it? Like I was I was hooked. It's almost like it took a hold of me. It's like I didn't even have mm. a choice, you know. So that was the that was. And then it kind of went from there. And I just, I bought the teapot, I bought the, I bought the tea and I started offering tea to people and I started learning under this tea master that worked there. Um, and kind of, kind of, it's a, this process is called gung Fu Chao, which is the same word as the martial arts gung Fu, which just means like action with extreme intention, kind of. Mm. Um, and so that process of making tea is the same word as, as the martial arts. And uh, I enjoyed talking to people and sitting down with people and and serving tea. And then the conversations that would arise during that hour, or two hours of, of sitting down cross-legged and drinking this beverage that has caffeine in it, you know, but it's also, it's also grounding and very calming too. It's not just like drinking like 20 expressos, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. So I know this is, you know, a pretty big sort of passion of yours. And so can, can you just just kind of explain what pu'er is? a little more and, or, or any, I mean, any part of the, the tea Absolutely. part of your life? I, I mean, I don't really care yeah. where you go <laughs> with it, but I know that was one specifically <laughs> that, you know, has, a, has a big part of you. And so I think that. Yep. It truly. It, it, it truly does.
1: Uh, first of all, Pu'er is a, is, is, a, is a tea plant called Camellia sinensis. It's the same plant as green tea and black tea. Most people know, don't know that green tea and black tea and oolong tea and white tea are the same. Plant, Camellia sinensis. It's just um, how it's oxidized, or there's different varietals, but it's basically the same same plant. Um, but pu'er is, is unique in the in the fact that they take the tea leaves, and we normally you pick the tea leaves and you steep it, and that's green tea, you know, or black tea. You take the tea leaves and you let them kind of hang out for about three or four days, and those green tea leaves have to turn brown. Um, through an oxidation process, just like if you take a bite of an apple and watch it for 10 minutes, the inside of the apple turns brown because of the oxygen that's hitting it and, and the enzymes that are creating it brown. And mm-hmm. so pu'er is is the pick the tea leaves and you put them in basically, the, um, the way, way more to it, but basically you put them in a huge pile and you get them wet and then you cover that pile with like a cloth or something for about two months and then there's this fermentation process that helps, that starts. And then there's this bacteria that forms, this good beneficial bacteria that forms on the tea leaves itself. And that's changing the, the molecular composition of the, of the tea. It's kind of breaking down things and changing flavors. And it's going past oxidation. It's going into a, a fermentation. It actually heats up with a compost pile, you know. And so they're tossing it and turning it for a couple months. Um, and then when it's ready... Who knows how they know when it's ready? But this is like ancient tea masters that I just dialed, you know, um, they compress it into these bricks. They compress the pu'er into these big discs or bricks that are about around like 300 grams. And once it's pressed into a brick, they'll age it for five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. So when you buy pu'er, it has a vintage on it. Ideally, if it's good pu'er, um, just like a, just like wine has a vintage, and it gets better and better ideally with age. And so when you buy a Pu'erah, it be a brick, it will say a 2006 vintage or a 2012 vintage. Um, and so there's this whole connoisseurship that comes along with it. And you can taste the different years are better or worse. And maybe you taste it and like, oh, this needs a couple more years to age on it. And I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. You know, I've been drinking Pu'erah for uh, however long now. I found it in 2010, so. I feel like I'm just scratching the surface and there's such a depth to it with the cultivation, with the manufacturing of it, just the attention to it and the drinking it, um, the knowledge of it. So it's, um, it's a, it's an ongoing process, but man, it's a, it's a beautiful skill, hobby knowledge. It's like, it's great.
0: Now yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure the tea company that you started is taking a hiatus. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I put that on. I put that on hold. Yeah.
0: <laughs> mostly
1: because I, uh, I, I, I kind of wanted to see how it would, what it would be like to sell something online. I'm not. I'm not very technologically savvy. I can barely tell people I can. I can barely send an email. You know, like <laughs> make a product to sell online. So last winter, it's like you know, middle of COVID, and I was like, I'm going to learn Adobe Illustrator and learn how to make a Shopify account. I'm going to get a little. Label maker printer. And, um, and, everyone, and, and so for the past 10 or so years of drinking tea, everyone's like, this is amazing tea. I'm like, oh my God, where do I get it? And I was like, well, oh, this website or this tea house or this tea house or that website or this website. And after a while, I was like, why don't I just, like, when everyone asks me after I do a little tea ceremony for them, like, when they ask me, where do you get it? I should be like, right here. I, I got some. <laughs> my yeah. label on it. You know? And I'll go through the rigmarole of finding, finding a good quality tea. Um, to offer somebody because it's just as variant as wine you know if someone's like wow wine like where do I get it it's like well there's like thousand dollar bottles and there's two dollar bottles it's like what are you looking for same thing with pu'er. anyway so I wanted to have a little company where I could offer people like an entry level pu'er, like a middle grade and then like a high like a higher end ceremonial grade and I and I would kind of um, choose just three different options you know people to choose from and mm-hmm. it was good it was a good learning process like so I um, started started it and launched it and Trying to make um, some silly little videos, and I kept messing up. And kept messing <laughs> up like, what you are referring to, and I finally I was like, "I'm just going to make a video of all the mess ups and post that." And it's So embarrassing what I had no, to do. It no, it's outstanding. So funny. And I, after that, I was like, "I'm just going to hire someone to make it." If I if I go further at this, I'm just going to hire somebody to make a, a professional video of me. But yeah, um, yeah I kind of just put it on hold because I was going back and forth from California to Maine, and. Mm if I was in the middle of Oklahoma and someone's like, I'd like to order some tea. And it's like all my inventory is like in a storage sure. unit. in California, it's like, I need to be in one spot um, or hire someone that wants to be part of the, uh, part of the, the the shipping department. And then maybe hire someone that wants to be in charge of like making higher quality videos <laughs> <laughs> and like making the web, making the website a little more uh, professional and precise and stuff. And then I could just focus on um, selling the tea and talking about it, doing what I love, which is like talking to people and, so, so I, I yeah, I put on hold and the boat business was kind of like the lower hanging fruit. I was like, oh, I'll just buy the boat, and get the captain's license and get in front of the coffee shop and there you go.
0: <laughs> and people <laughs> people just come to yeah. you.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, I'll eventually start to see company back up. I think once I get a little more settled in in Maine, um I'll uh, I'll, I'll get that going again in the next couple of years.
0: Nice. Oh, well, let me yeah. know let me know when the Instagram backs up or is back up and I'll it looks like it's down right now. Yep, the, I the, think it is. When coming, I it
1: yeah. job, you get back up, you can be my first follower. Yeah, for
0: number 1. Yeah, you got to <laughs> give me the heads up. Got to keep it consistent. It's good luck. So, uh, sure. so out of like all of your travels, what has been um, like what what are some of the the places, the people, like what are some of those aspects that kind of have stuck with you i mean we know the the working at, with the monkeys um but you know you you've done a fair number of things i just noticed basket maker is a is another uh well, apparent basket, skill of basket, yours. Basket. So.
1: yeah that's not even, that's not even plural There's a that one basket my grandmother taught me <laughs> had. but i uh I, that's also one of the reasons why i'm going back to maine to be with my grandmother she's my last mm-hmm. living grandparent and oh, she great. makes beautiful baskets and, I'm, and for years and years and years i was like i want I want Graham to teach me how to make baskets. And I kept talking about it. And I was like, might as well just go back there and, and just make it happen. So that was the first, that that picture you're probably looking at on Instagram was the first basket. uh, um, She taught me how to make. And so this summer I'm going to make a lot more of her. But um, yeah, when I was 21, I, uh, I, in between Santa Barbara, when I was in um, um, my first couple of years in college, and then I transferred to Humboldt state, I just turned 21. And, I bought a trip to Thailand and it was the first time I ever had left the country by myself. Mm. I traveled with my family. I went to Costa Rica in high school and I went to England and cruised around and whatnot. But um, I went to Thailand and that was the first time I was like, okay, I'm just like 21 years old, meeting people. I have no clue where to go. I had um, some photocopied, uh, you know, those Lonely Planet books, those like traveling books, you know. I had like ripped out someone's old Thailand Lonely Planet book and I'd photocopied them or something. And they barely, I don't even know how people managed to get around back in the day. Of, like, <laughs> no cell phones. And I would like, go to some internet cafe and check some availability of some hostel and God knows where on some like 50 hour bus ride away and make it happen. But it was great. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was also a huge, um, momentous time in my life. Of, Feeling that freedom, that same feeling I mm. felt when I was younger, and having the little island all over myself, I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm in Thailand, and I, I'm just in another country, and I'm, I'm just gonna go wherever I want to go and meet whoever I want to meet. It was, it was beautiful. Um, so that was, that was, that was a, that was a big part that kind of got me. That actually kind of got me geared towards wanting to change my major to, to international cultural studies. Um, and then uh, after, after college, I. I uh, was dating a gal and she was half French. And so we wanted to go to France to visit her grandmother for two months. And I don't speak a lick of French, you know, and she <laughs> speak fluent French. And that was kind of a, that was also kind of a fun, interesting time it Was just like cruising around. We got to use her grandfather's car oh, wow. and, uh, and I just basically ate cheese and drank wine for two months straight. And it sounds kind of like the American move, but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know, uh, didn't know what else to do there's also like more more charades and that's yeah that's maybe one of the takeaways i i i realized in thailand too i was like oh you don't have to speak the same language to relate to one another you know there, mm-hmm. there's more than just the voice and the ears you know there's mm-hmm. there's energy there's body language there's all sorts of all sorts of ways to connect to other humans um, and i think that's what i fell in love with you know that that connection
0: yeah to, wow of,
1: of, People to
0: people. Yeah, I never. You know, these days we rely so much on Google Translate, and it's just you know right. you, you punch it in, and then you show somebody your phone rather than yep. you know trying to go kind do, of, hand, do hand gestures. For yeah, to or yeah. To yeah. find
1: out where the bathroom is. I I,
0: <laughs> I, I I I picture you making the shape of a of a teacup from I'm a little teacup. <laughs> yeah, here's my handle. Yeah, here's my, my spot. Well, where's the bathroom? Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> That's for some reason, that's the first thing that comes to my mind when thinking about it. Um, so we'll sort of slowly start to wind this down, but kind of looking, we've looked a lot in the past and I, I know you're coming back to Maine and all of that, but like, you know, what are, like what are some things that you still sort of dream about doing? Are there are there things you still want to, you know, yeah. do places you want to really be able to go and spend a lot of time or impacts you want to make in the world? Like just what what's kind of flowing through your mind on that end?
1: Yeah, several things. Well, I think what what COVID did for me and maybe for everyone was kind of let us realize what's important and where our priorities are. You know, um, mm-hmm. one of, which is one of the what what came to me when I was wanting to move back to Maine. I was like, what am I doing in Northern California? Like you know, working in the cannabis industry where I should be like making baskets with my grandmother. Mm. <laughs> and so going back there was like a, a first step of like, Oh, let's, let's, let's choose the things that we, um, we only have so much time on this planet. Like let's choose the things that mean a lot to us, you know? Mm. So definitely in the future, there's a couple of bucket lists. Um, I want to do a tea tour. I've never actually been to a country that's like growing tea. Like I've never been to China. I haven't been to mm. Japan. Um, I haven't been to Taiwan or India. And there's, um, so, the, there's there's actually a town called Pu'er in southwest China in the district of Yunnan, um, which is why the, why it's called Pu'er, just like Champagne is a wow. is a town in France, you know. Um, and so that's where that style of tea originated from um, in in the town of Pu'er. So I'd like to go there, hang like, you know, off. That's a that's a bucket list, mm-hmm. and go to go to Japan and see their style. They have a whole different style of tea ceremony. I'd like to see that, and even in Korea and Taiwan, they have a whole different style. So a big a big multi Country tea tour is on the on the list. Um, definitely sailing from California to Hawaii at some point in my life. I would mm-hmm. love to make that voyage again with somebody. Maybe not my own boat, but uh, you know, hop on. Hop on
0: somebody somebody. Well, um, just go to the docks yeah. and just yell at someone. Apparently that yeah, totally. works
1: for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've told people that too. And they're like, oh, I wish I could do that. And like literally, you just gotta ask. And
0: work, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you're, you're not. Well, and you're not wrong. Like,
1: yeah. You know. <laughs> I maybe have a buddy if you want know, to trust the person. Like, you know, there's some bad actors out there. But um, um, and at some point in life, uh, I do want to create a tea house. Mm. And uh, uh, what I've, what I've seen is that it brings people together. It creates a community. It makes people. I mean, I I, I love coffee too. I, I drink coffee, but it's more of a fast paced Like, get coffee. Maybe you talk a little bit. And then you're outdoor, and then people are kind of coming and going the tea house is like brings people down you sit down you sit low on cushions and you might sit there for two hours or, or more and uh it, i think every town could have one every time have a coffee yeah. shop well eventually it, it might it might have a little tea house or a little gathering place it's just, it's, and because it also offers a place to come together um that's that's not at, at night too if you are if you are yeah. drinking kind of yeah. caffeinated tea and you don't want to go to a bar and, and like think alcohol it's like well there's no other option well there could be like a tea house in the morning and then at night the like herbal tea house where people mm. can come and stay up until two in the morning drinking peppermint tea or something you know and feel like they're part of a, a social scene and they're being healthy and um, they feel like they're part of the community so at some point i will open up a tea house but unfortunately it's like or fortunately a tea <laughs> house is almost the opposite of capitalism where it's like a coffee shop's like five bucks out the door five bucks out the door five bucks out the door, out the door. It's like get him in get him out it's like you can make all kinds of money with, with a coffee shop, but a tea house—it's like
0: they sit, sit them down. Two hours.
1: Yeah, they drink what? Maybe six <laughs> splurge on a twelve-dollar like pot of really high-end rare tea, and then sit there sharing it with four of their friends <laughs> for three hours. It's like no, nah, you're gonna your business is gonna go under. Yeah. So it's anything needs to be set up as like a nonprofit, where like this isn't trying to make money; it's just trying to just bring a community together. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of on the far, far, far mm. back burner. I'd like to
0: accomplish in life. Mm, yeah, that's really neat. I think, um, you know, I haven't, I've only, the only like origin for chocolate growing that I've been to is Costa Rica, but it it definitely mm-hmm. is a, a transformative experience. And so I, I think when you do get the opportunity to go to China or go to Japan, um, you know, I mean, with, with the passion that you have for something like that, it really, um, that'll be a really, really great experience for you to, yeah. to have, so. Yeah yeah absolutely yeah well man this was as this was as fun as i had anticipated so thank you very much
1: <laughs> yeah as always you I, I feel honored to, for you to have me on here it's great
0: yeah and i'll um I'll, I'll I'll have to go back and re-listen this to get all the all the plugs we talked about um but i'll make sure i i get as much out there and um make sure to to follow walker on his, his instagram also um, the, the charter Instagram, um, which I'll make sure I post wherever I can. And, and, you know, to anybody that's out there for real, if, if you're anywhere near Deer Isle or, or Stonington, Maine, which is out on the very tip of the Island, but, um, you know, even if you're within a couple hours, it's seek him out, get out on the boat with him. It's, it's really a wonderful experience just to, you know, spend some time with him and talk and, 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 and hero but he's an open book so you can have some great conversations so um, well, well yeah thank you very much I really appreciate it
1: yeah I'll uh, if you come back this summer you can I'll pay you to sit on the edge of the coffee shop there and get, uh, get clients for me
0: yeah I will <laughs> I'll sell it so we'll talk to you soon thanks for listening uh, to this episode so of yeah. Travelers a huge thank you to Walker for joining me make sure to find him at dub underscore c d u b b Underscore Sea, and walk in the streets of downtown Stonington, Maine. If you are ever in the area, make sure to reach out to him and schedule a tour. I promise you, it will be worth it. Thank you to Soul Rising for allowing us the use of his song "The Journey" for our intro and outro. You can find him wherever you find music. Don't forget to visit our website www.nostalgiachocolates.com for the show notes and, of course, to grab as much chocolate as your shopping cart can handle.